All right, well, we have been in a study of John's Gospel. Um, uh, and last week we completed John chapter 4. And this provides us a natural stopping point because John 5 starts a whole new narrative sequence in John's Gospel. And um, since next Sunday will be the first Sunday that I will be out uh, for parental leave, uh, we're going to have some guest pastors, people that we um, thankful to have with us, Pat Roach, Reverend Alan Carter, and Matthew Poole. They're going to bring different things. And so I didn't want to start a new section in John's Gospel today and then leave us hanging. So we have this custom that when we have a break in a sermon series, we go to the Psalms and we just pick up wherever we left off. And today that means um, we're going to Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 just so happens to be perfect for today. And so let's read it together and I want to invite you to stand as we read this. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, one of the major themes in John's gospel that we have been learning about is that Jesus is the word of God. He is just like my words go out from me to accomplish my purposes and speaking to, because I have a purpose of teaching you, of communicating those, these words, accomplish the purposes. Jesus is the word of God. He is sent from the Father. He goes out. There's a procession there uh, to accomplish God's purposes. He is on mission. Uh, and he doesn't go alone. He's accompanied by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's no coincidence that the word for spirit in both Greek and Hebrew is the same as the word for wind or breath. And if we think about uh, how words go out on somebody's breath uh, to accomplish purposes, the, 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 the Son goes out accompanied with the Holy Spirit. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit. So we've been reading all about, in John's Gospel, Jesus, the Word of God, the Son of God, going out, sent from the Father, anointed by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's on mission. 
to rescue us from our sin. We've learned that following Jesus means identifying with him, means being like him, and it means, in a way, joining him on this journey. So, to be a Christian is to be on mission, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, is to be with Jesus in what he's doing. To be a church, like the early disciples, a little prototype church, is to follow Jesus on his journey, accomplishing God's purposes. Is to be accompanied with, filled with the Holy Spirit. Psalm 23 is maybe the most famous psalm in the Bible. You've probably seen it on uh, cheesy posters and paintings uh, at Christian bookstores or, you know, somebody's house. Uh, maybe you like those paintings, you don't think they're cheesy, you love them, that's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> Psalm 23 is very familiar. It's, it's, it's read a lot, you've probably heard it. If, if, you, if you've seen a funeral happen on TV that's led by a pastor or a priest, chances are they're reading from Psalm 23. It's very famous, and sometimes familiarity with Scripture can make it hard for us to actually hear it. We're so familiar with the words that it's hard for us to process them. So it's good for us to really look at it, really sit with it. One cool Bible study method that I like to use, uh, something we've talked about before, something I'd recommend to you, one way to really sit with a piece of scripture, to really try to hear it, especially if it's a familiar one, then the familiarity makes it hard to soak in is to consider what question is this passage of scripture the answer to? What life question, what spiritual question is this Bible passage giving me the answer to? It's kind of like Jeopardy. If we did that with Psalm 23, what question does Psalm 23 answer? I think the question would be, what is the Christian life? What is the life of a healthy church? Or in other words, what does it mean to follow Jesus on his journey accompanied by the Spirit? What does it mean to be like him, moving along through the world, accomplishing God's purposes, being accompanied with the Holy Spirit, following him like those early disciples? What is this? What is the Christian life? What is the life of a healthy church? And Psalm 23 answers that question. It answers that question by giving us a picture of a shepherd and sheep. By giving us this metaphor that we see repeated uh, throughout the Bible in various places. It comes up in other Psalms. Jesus himself drew from this when he said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. We see this throughout scripture. This picture of sheep following a shepherd, that's the answer to what is the Christian life. That's the answer to what does it look like to be a healthy church. That's the answer to how do we join Jesus on his divine cosmic mission. That's it. 
Now this is pertinent and important for us. I look around here and I see the faces of people who want to know God, who want to follow God, uh, people who are Christians, who want to be good Christians. We want to live the fullness of the Christian life. How do we do that? Psalm 23 gives us this picture. We do it kind of like this. I look around here and I see us, we're a church. We're in a season of prayer and fasting and discussion trying to figure out what's next for us. What's the future for our church? Are we going to continue? Are we going to close the doors? Are we going to make significant changes and continue on as something kind of new? We're trying to figure that out. We might ask, you know what? What is healthy church to begin with? What does it look like to do church well? Well, it looks like this. Shepherd and sheep. That's what Psalm 23 is. So, let's get into the picture. Let's get into the metaphor. Maybe if you've ever been to a museum or something like that, um, you've experienced, the, you've had the experience of standing and looking at a painting or at a sculpture or at an image and trying to take in the whole thing. Looking at the details, trying to see the big picture, zooming in, zooming out, different places, trying to soak it all in and process it. Let's do that with the song. Because this picture is the answer to big, very important questions that we have. So let's do it. What does it look like? What is this image of the shepherd and the sheep? What is the Christian life supposed to look like through this lens? Well, as we go through the psalm, we start to see themes. Themes that we might be familiar with. We start to see a list. Here are the marks of the Christian life. Here are marks of a healthy church. And the first one is, we see in the first line and the last line, opening and the closing. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And then it ends, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These two statements are confident statements. The Lord is my shepherd. I will be followed by goodness and mercy from God. I will dwell in his house. These two statements are confessions of faith. What is the Christian life? What is the life of a healthy church? Well, one mark that we see in this picture is faith. To be a Christian in your heart, not just in your words. To be a church in our core, in our essence, to be with Jesus on mission is to be people who have faith. In the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews defines faith like this. They say, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. The author of Hebrews says faith is confidence, confidence in what we hope for, and faith is assurance, assurance in what we do not see. And here in the psalm, at the beginning and at the end, we see these, we see confidence. The psalmist is confident in what he hopes for. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. It is going to happen. 
That's what I'm hoping for, and it's going to happen. The end is secure. I'm confident in that. One day I will be in God's presence, in God's house. It's happening. Jesus said, he himself said, my Father's house has many, many rooms. I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you also may be. A person who's a Christian in their heart, a church that's following Jesus on mission, they have confidence in the destination. It's God's house. It's fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. It is going to happen. The end is written. And we see that here. Confidence in God's goodness. Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. The end is sure, and so is the journey. Yeah, there's uncertain pieces, but God is with me, and that is good. And I'm going to make it. We, faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance of what we do not see. The psalmist is sure, has assurance of what's invisible. A few weeks ago, we studied in John's Gospel. Maybe it was last week. Last week? I'm bad at time. The idea of seeing without believing. Remember the, the royal official who believed that Jesus had the power to heal his son even though he didn't watch it happen? Jesus commends that faith of seeing without believing. Here the psalmist says, God is my shepherd. Now, can we see God? Now, it might be a long conversation, but basically, no. God is invisible. God is spirit. But he says, oh, I'm, he's my shepherd, though. That's who I'm following. I'm believing without seeing. And the psalmist says, I lack nothing. This is faith. We see here a, a fundamental trusting in who God is. Now faith is not certainty. It's, that's different. It's trust. It doesn't mean that you have all the facts and you added them perfectly and there are no mistakes and you know everything and everything fits and you have absolute certainty because all the evidence lines up. Well, there's a lot of evidence to support the claims of Scripture, tons of evidence to support the claims that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is Lord. The evidence is not why we believe. We believe because God has shown himself to be trustworthy. The evidence is one of the ways. There are so many other ways. And faith is trusting, confidence, assurance. So we see that. What is the Christian life? Christian in your heart, what is the life of a healthy church? What do they need? Well, in this picture of the shepherd sheep thing, we see we need faith. So we should ask, do we have it? Can we say, God is my shepherd. God is our shepherd. We lack nothing. And we say, goodness and love are following me. I believe it. And we will get there. Okay, what else? Well, the next thing we see in the psalm is we see repentance. Faith and repentance. Faith and repentance always go together in the Bible. Well, you say, where's repentance? Well, right here. Um, verse 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Repentance means turning around. It means turning away from something harmful or sin and turning toward God. That's repentance. It's a turnaround. It's an about face. It's a 180. And here in the psalm, we see the psalmist describing a 180, a turnaround. We see the psalmist describing turning away from the past. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now, why would the psalmist, why would the sheep, psalmist sheep, why would they need their soul refreshed? Why would they need to be restored? Why would they need to be laid down? Well, there's only one reason. If they had wandered away from their life source, if they had turned away from the shepherd who gives them life, that's the only reason. We read in Matthew 18 a story about Jesus. He gives this parable, this metaphor. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep, one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier about the one sheep than the ninety-nine who did not wander off. Jesus uses this metaphor to talk about how God goes and gets a hold of people who wander away from him. Sheep do that sometimes. Sheep follow the shepherd around, but sometimes one will wander off. When a sheep wanders away from the shepherd, their provider, protector, their source of life, they get tired. They get scared. They get worn out. So this psalmist, this sheep is saying, he refreshes my soul. That's because he had to turn around. The shepherd came and got him. He, he laid me down. I had to turn around. But it's not just turning away from the thing that was wearing him or her out. It's turning toward the shepherd, turning toward the source of life, turning towards righteousness, following again. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now they're walking forward together. You see it? So, so far in the psalm, we've seen trust in God. We've seen turning toward God. We've seen faith and repentance. What does it mean to be a Christian in your heart? What does it mean to be a faithful church? It means to have faith. It means to have repentance. We should ask, do we have those? Are we in the habit of turning away from our sin? When we have wandered off, when we realize we have drifted too far, are we in the habit of listening for the shepherd's voice as he comes after us? And when he gets us and when he lays us down, are we the kind of people that go, yeah, I'll submit to his care? Or are we the kind of people who say, no, 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 my way. I, I want to go back my way. Faith and repentance. Next we have perseverance. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff that comfort me. Sometimes the right path, sometimes the, the path, the righteous path that the shepherd leads us on, sometimes it goes through a dark valley. It goes through scary places. Maybe our church right now is going through a dark valley. 
uncertain, scary place. Maybe you are going through a dark valley personally. Maybe you're going through a crisis in your faith. It's hard to trust God. Trying to believe without seeing, but the not seeing part is just killing you. But we see the, the true Christian, Christian in your heart, the true church, faithful church, perseveres. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. But why? Why do they persevere? Well, because the rod and the staff of the shepherd comfort the sheep. That's why they persevere. The rod and the staff. Let's talk about those for just a second. Back in the old days, Hebrew shepherds carried at least two tools, a rod and a staff. Maybe in some cases they were the same tool that had different names depending on how they were used, kind of like a violin and a fiddle are the same thing that we call different names depending on how they're used. Maybe. But a rod and a staff, different things. Uh, and the rod and the staff of the shepherd, they comfort the sheep. They help the sheep persevere. Well, how is that? What is the rod? The shepherd's rod was a stick or a club the shepherd would use to fight and to fend off predators. You guys know the story of David and Goliath when He's, he tells King Saul, oh, fight the giant. And King Saul's like, no way, you can't fight the giant. And David's like, listen, when I was out tending my sheep and the lion came attacked, I fought him off. When the bear came and attacked, I fought him off. I can take this guy. Remember that? How did David fight off the lion and the bear? Well, he had at least a sling, right? Most likely, he's a Hebrew shepherd. Probably also had a rod. Fighting off these predators. That's what the rod was used for. Now, let me say a word about the rod of the shepherd. It's a tool for kind of violence. I think some of us need to know, and I myself can never be reminded enough, that the rod of the shepherd is an instrument for protecting the sheep, not an instrument for beating the sheep. It's used to beat the sheep's enemies. It's not used to beat the sheep. It's been common for those who would advocate uh, for the corporeal punishment of children to cite scripture to defend the action of parents laying hands on their kids, physically beating their kids. One of, the, one of the popular ones comes from Psalm 13. But one of the popular ones is this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Another popular one is Psalm 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their child. Or spare the rod, spoil the child. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. And many of us, including myself, have experienced great pain, great confusion as kids. And some of us even at times have experienced abuse by people who claim that they are wielding the rod of God to discipline us. Now maybe for this reason you are afraid of God's rod. You might think that God is mad at you. You might think that God's discipline is God hurting you or taking something away from you. I want to tell you that when the scriptures 
this psalm and Psalm 15, spare the rod, spoil the child. When it speaks about the rod, it is speaking about the rod the shepherd carries to protect the sheep from the lion and the bear. Not an instrument to beat the sheep. Not ever. Why is that important? Well, it's important because the way God disciplines us, the way God helps us to persevere, though we are wayward, though we are foolish, is by wielding his rod. And that rod is a comfort to us. How does he do that? By fighting off our enemies. I don't mean political enemies. I don't mean social enemies. I don't mean your neighbor that bothers you because they encroach across the property line. No. I mean our spiritual enemies. Sin and death. And the great enemies of the devil and his angels. These things are real. And God fights them off. So we can persevere. How does God fight them off? Well, God wielded his rod when Jesus Christ went to the cross to be beaten under the rod of men. Us men and women, we carry the rods to beat each other with. And God submitted himself to our rods in order to break them. That's how he wielded his rod and broke the power of death. So we look to the shepherd and see that our shepherd carries a big stick. And we can persevere because no sin, no death, no agent of hell and destruction can get in between me and him. He carries a rod. We never ever need to be afraid that he turns that violence on us. So he carries a rod. He also carries a staff. Shepherd's staff, you've seen these precious moments, dolls, think of that. It's the long thing, the crooks at the top. What is the staff used for? It's not just a walking stick. The staff was used to reach out and grab a hold of the sheep uh, right here. Uh, not for violence, again, but to, to gently bring them back into the fold. When I was a little kid in Sunday school at church, I remember in our Sunday school classroom, there was a painting super cheesy one, of Jesus. It had the little story of the, the shepherd leaving the 99 to go after the one, printed at the bottom, and it had this picture of Jesus reaching over a cliff ledge, using his staff to guide and bring a sheep back from a cliff ledge. That's the image. So the psalmist is saying, I can persevere through the darkest valley without any fear, because my shepherd carries a rod because my shepherd carries a staff. He wielded the rod at the cross. Where does he wield the staff? Where does he reach out and bring us back into the fold? Well, right here. In the church. This is why I stand in front of you each week and for 40 minutes preach the Bible. To bring all of us back each week. This is why we exercise church discipline. To hold each other accountable. This is the Holy Spirit moving through the instrument of the church as, the, as God, the shepherd, using the staff to keep us together. So what is the Christian life? 
It's a life of faith. It's a life of repentance. It's a life of perseverance. How do I know if I'm a Christian in my heart? Do you have faith? Do you have repentance? Are you persevering? How do we know if we're a faithful church? Do we have faith? Do we know that the end is secure? Do we have repentance? Are we ready to turn around when it's hard? And do we have perseverance? Are we comforted by the cross, the rod of God? Are we comforted by his staff? Are we hold each other accountable and do the work of the church? You know, David wrote Psalm 23, and he himself was a shepherd. And we see that personality just coming through in all this, and it's beautiful. Maybe you can imagine as we talk about these things, imagine yourself as a sheep. God is the shepherd, and we're, we're following with that faith, that trust, with that repentance, turning around and turning toward him, being refreshed by him, we're following with after him as he defends us from our enemies, sin and death, as he reaches out and takes, gently brings us back into the fold. Awesome. Uh, David was a shepherd. Um, he wrote this. There's another thing, another reason it's important that it's a psalm of David. Uh, we've seen this in previous psalms. Uh, many psalms of David, just the way that the Bible is put together, the way that God inspired the scriptures, Many Psalms of David, if we look at them and read them, we see David's life, the shepherd king. But we can also see, if we look, the um, life of Jesus in the psalm. We can see them as Jesus' songs. There's a reason Jesus called himself the son of David. Uh, in fact, there's lots of reasons. And one of the reasons is to help us go back and look at the Davidic songs and read them as his songs and learn about him. And we can do that. And when we read this song, we see Jesus' stuff in here. We think of Jesus as the good shepherd. That's really good. But we can also see him as one of the sheep. He's a member of the people of God. He had absolute confidence in the love of the Father and the guidance of the Spirit. Perfect faith. Repentance. Jesus himself never sinned, but he identified with our sin. And turns us to God. And when he hung on the cross, he hung, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He was a man of repentance and perseverance. Relying on God. Jesus persevered through death and on to resurrection. And even today, he perseveres, standing in heaven, the right hand of the Father, as one of us our King, and who promises to return. We see him here. And that reminds us of the Christian life, the church's life, is Jesus' life. They're the same. They look like each other. We really see that in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That looks like this table. In the presence of my enemies, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And so we look at this, it's our story, it's also Jesus' story. And that adds a fifth thing to our list. Faith, repentance, fourth thing. Faith, repentance, perseverance, and the last we could say, union. Union with Christ. 
It's true of him, it's true of us. We are with him, we are together with him, we are bound with him. We have the thing that he has. So the big idea of the psalm is answering the question, what is the Christian life? What does it mean to be a Christian in my heart? What is the life of a faithful church? And the answer is, it's a life where it's a church that looks like Jesus, with faith, repentance, and perseverance. It's union with Christ. We can sum all that up, going back to the first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And looking at the last line, or my cup overflows, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It, it, it starts with lacking nothing and ends with abundance. So here's a good question to, to lead us toward the end of the sermon. Does your life look like this? My life looks like this. Does the life of our church look like this? Faith, repentance, perseverance, union. Can we say, can you say, can I say, with, without any reservations, without fingers crossed, can you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing? Hmm. I know I can say the first part, because I want to follow him. I want, you know, I made a profession of faith, been baptized, and I'm a pastor. Lord, you better be my shepherd. But do I lack nothing? Where it says in the King James, I shall not want. Ooh, that one's harder. What about you? Don't tell anybody. But I want all kinds of stuff that I don't have. And you know, there's a lot of things that I lack. Let's just talk about church life. There's some leadership skills that I wish I don't I wish I had that I don't have. Management skills I wish I had that I don't have. There's wisdom and foresight I wish I had that I've lacked. I have a long list of things that I lack. And I think if we're honest, we can look at each other and we can probably name some things that some of the other people in here lack too. So how do we get that second part? How do we move this picture of the Christian life Faith, repentance, perseverance, union, lacking nothing, fullness of life with Christ, sheep following a shepherd. How do we move it off of being a picture on the wall of our heart? And we say, yeah, that's, that's us. And move it into real life, where it's absolutely true. How do we take it out of metaphor land? Or we can actually say without reservation, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is the shepherd of Hope Presbyterian, and there is nothing that we lack. How do we do that? I think that is the key to the whole song. If you look at the song top to bottom, I want you to notice something. Faith, the repentance, the perseverance, the union with Christ, the lacking nothing. 
How does the psalmist get these things? Because I want the fullness of it, so how does the psalmist get there? Well, one thing you can notice in the psalm that I noticed this week I'd like to share with you, which I think is the key, is this. I can't find one place in this psalm where the psalmist does something to gain all of this stuff. I can't find the psalmist exercising ingenuity. I can't find the psalmist exercising power, exercising intellect. I can't find the psalmist being a good steward. I can't find the psalmist being smart. I can't find the psalmist doing anything except recognizing something that has been made true by somebody else. Who is the actor in this psalm? Who has the power in this psalm? Who has the ingenuity in this psalm? Who is making these things true? Well, let me read it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of who? The Lord forever. Here is the point. Everything in this song, the faith, the repentance, the perseverance, the union, the lacking nothing, every bit of it is the work of the shepherd, not the work of the sheep. Every bit of it is grace. Now, how can the sheep say, the Lord's my shepherd, I lack nothing? Because there's nothing for the sheep to do except to just rest and rely on the shepherd for his or her salvation. That's it. To lie down. To be refreshed. And so I turn this to us. We might say, yeah, 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 yeah. We know God, we're Christians, we're following, but what we really need to do in my life, what I really need to do, I need to make this much money, I need to have these things in order, I need to grow in these ways. Or me, let's talk about myself. I need to grow to be a better leader. I need to have better foresight. I need better management skills. I need this, this, and this. And then, maybe I'll get to the good place. God, through this psalm, is saying, no. Stop looking around, Martha. Look at me. That's what he says to me. And you know what I think he's saying to our church? Oh, Lord, we're faithful. Do we want to be a club? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Lord, I don't know. We need you know, a little more fun. We got, we got this financial thing going on. We got this uh, attendance numbers thing going on. We're in this season of uncertainty, and I think we need to do this. I think we need to do this. And I really think you know we should have done this other thing a long time ago. And I hear God saying through this song, "Stop, Martha. There's a lot to distract. Come sit at my feet." He's saying, "I'm the shepherd." I'm the one. I'm the guy. I'm the leader. I'm the refresher. I wield the rod. I use the staff. Your job is to fear no evil. 
Your job is to lie down. Your job is to relish the thing that's true, which is the fullness of life that exists in Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <clears throat> 